1: He joins us covering Purdue, publisher for GoldenBlack.com. Hope you're having a great day here, Alan. I got to tell you, Todd Meyer is uh, the APD here at The Fan, someone you're familiar with. You went to school together and all of that. He was doom and freaking gloom for the last couple of minutes. He says Indiana's going to beat Purdue coming up here. He says they'll be lucky to be 2-2 two and two in their final four regular season games. What do you say to both of those thoughts, Alan?
3: Well, Todd, Todd's got deep, deep problems. No, <laughs> he's, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's funny in, in the world of college basketball, and when things, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a Gene Katie statement. I'm not sure who it was. It said it's never things are never as good as they seem, or never as bad as they seem. But right now, for Purdue. If you look at the last four minutes of the Northwestern game and then the, the last 16 minutes of last night at Maryland, it doesn't look very good right now. Now, if Purdue can adjust, uh, maybe get out of the Big Ten and, and, and the officiating that uh, has been a challenge for Purdue, Uh, I think that bodes well. This is still a very good basketball team, but it didn't didn't play very well at an important time and really melted down for the first time this season uh, for a prolonged period. I mean, yes, it melted down in the last four minutes against Northwestern, but it melted down for 16 minutes last night after a key technical call on Mason Gillis. Uh, Purdue really went south.
4: Alan, it's Jimmy. I talked about this yesterday, but more for the teams from the Big Ten that'll make the tournament that are like your middle-of-the-pack teams, that when you allow the type of physicality that you do in the Big Ten, again, I'm not saying ban that, but you mentioned it with Purdue, how night in and night out, this is a physical conference. They're going to let teams get away with a little bit more than they do in other spots in the country. You kind of just touched on that, but when Purdue does get out of the Big Ten and we're into March, how much does the way they like to play in their style, they're a physical team too, but how much will that kind of Alleviated uh, physicality, so to speak, benefit them.
3: It, it, it could, <laughs> and that's a big guess. I mean, because you don't want to bank on that. I, right. I think that it, it'll be it'll be a situation where uh, Purdue's just got to get better, and, and that, that's no secret. That's every team in the country talking about it things that way. They have to evolve. We've been saying that even even when they were sitting with one loss two weeks ago. So this is a team that. Uh, Teams have figured them out in the Big Ten. The familiarity breeds contempt, and there's plenty of contempt for Purdue right now. They know how to push around Zach Eadie. They know how to push around Fletcher Lawyer, and Fletcher Lawyer's got to get better at least for the rest of the big, you know, the rest of the four remaining regular season Big Ten games and the Big Ten tournament. So, you know, I, I think it'll be a factor. I think Purdue could be a, is, when you have a guy like Zach Eadie, you're going to be difficult for anybody. Purdue, has to force teams to uh, deal with Edie on, on a possession-by-possession possession basis. And and lately, in, in Zach Edie terms, even last night, to, what was it, 18 points and eight, eight rebounds? When you call that a bad performance, I don't know if I'd call it a bad, but it's a little bit subpar. They need him to be really, really good. They need to rebound better. I never thought Purdue, one of the best rebounding teams in the country, would, would get out-rebounded by 12 last night, as it did by Maryland. Those are all things that Purdue's got to fix. You hope it's a, a short-term problem. But, uh, again, I use the example North Carolina last year, Kansas last year. Kansas lost a couple games uh, to an unranked team, uh, TCU, at that time. Last year, right in itself, went to the national championship. North Carolina was barely even talked about making mm-hmm. the tournament. It may be apples and oranges, but I, I do think teams are judged by how much they get better and how they get over the hump over a season with a very homogenous playing field of teams. uh, There's no great team. Purdue's uh, a a very good one, but uh, they're going to have to reinvent themselves, uh, I think, to get to Houston if that's uh, the ultimate destination for the Boilermakers.
1: Is this an energy thing? Have they run out of gas the last couple of games? Is it just a funk? What's the reason why uh, Purdue has faded in these last couple of games, in your opinion?
3: Well, I think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a little bit, and, and I'm not one to blame officiating. I think the game against Northwestern was really a problematic in terms of the way the game was called. Yesterday was a rock fight that uh, that Maryland won, uh, not only uh, uh, from a toe-to-toe standpoint, but also obviously in the scoreboard. But I think there's maybe some of that. I think it's possible that, uh, you know, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, though Smith certainly did some good things last night, um, it, you know it, they're freshmen, uh, and this is the time of year where a lot of teams do hit the wall for a period of time. Uh, again, I, you know, and, and this is this is uh, maybe not very satisfying to, to Purdue fans, but uh, I think you could have taken a ten thousand to one odds bet at Purdue if you just said Purdue would have been twenty three and four after twenty seven games. Uh, it's not all bad. It's all about what Purdue can do moving forward, and and get some energy back. They had a chance against a team like Ohio State who's really uh, laboring at best. The team Purdue barely beat in January, but since then the Buckeyes have gone south. And then they have six days off for what will be a, a heavyweight prize fight when Indiana comes to West Lafayette. Rest would probably be a good thing and maybe a little bit of reloading mentally. Uh, couldn't hurt, can't hurt Purdue, I wouldn't think. And the fact that the Boilermakers have three of their last four games at home. Uh, that all will help Purdue, I think, down the stretch.
4: Alan, this question is. is, is well, I want your opinion on this because it's not a question the team can answer because they don't care. Like, we, we you, you and I and Brian that, that are involved in the media, like, we get interested in this kind of thing. But Matt Painter's not worried about this right now. But I am because we've been talking about them as the number one overall seed or the projected number one overall seed in the tournament uh, the last two or three weeks now and for different parts of the season uh, and a couple different. Uh, bracketology realm of things, and I know that doesn't necessarily guarantee what's going to happen by the selection committee. They no longer have them as the top uh, number one overall. It's Alabama and a lot of different places. Uh, Does that concern you at all with this team in terms of the idea of being able to have an easier path as a number one overall in theory versus uh, being uh, the third or fourth best uh, top seed in the country?
3: Well, I, I, don't know that the number one overall seed. is really going to matter. Uh, I, I, it would be nice, but I, you know, whether Purdue is going to get that. I think Houston's going to be hard to beat in that situation yep. just because, uh, Houston's not going to lose many more games, I don't think, uh, just based on its schedule. That may not be, you know, I may be dead wrong on that as it turns out. I, I think it's important for Purdue to keep the number one seed over, mm-hmm. in, uh, one of the top four seeds and the opportunity to hopefully, if you're a Purdue fan to play in Columbus, Ohio, Maybe, maybe, maybe not uh, play in Louisville for the regionals or Kansas City. You know, you're, you're Purdue. Uh, Purdue had a ter- terrific showing in 2019 down in Louisville when it lost in that crazy loss of Virginia. Uh, you want your fans close to home. You want a younger team, or at least a, a team with younger guards to be to have a, to have be as familiar as possible. But you know, Purdue just got to win. And if you win those games, it'll take care of itself. If Purdue can. Win uh, for at least three out of the four remaining uh, conference games. It's going to win a share of the Big Ten championship. Uh, guaranteed, it'll be outright, in my opinion. There's no way Northwestern's going to win uh, all of its games down the stretch, in my opinion. And uh, you'll be a number one seed in the Big Ten tournament and have a chance to do well there. But uh, uh, you, you just got to start winning and change that, turn that thing around as much as possible. If you do that, uh, the seed will take care of itself.
1: He's Alan Karpik from goldenblack.com joining us here on The Fan. I want to go back to something you said, Alan, about Zach Eadie, and sometimes the team just gets away from him for too long a stretch. It's like, Let him touch the ball. Let him go to work. I would compare it to a football team. If the running game is working really really well i don't need you to just try to work in the passing game and switch things up it's like bro they can't stop the run keep running the ball why do you think purdue gets away from zach Eady too often for long stretches at times
3: well i think in the last two games it's the way he's been defended and and or fouled whatever term you want to use Uh, (laughs) certainly last night he was eight out of 16 uh he missed some shots inside you got to give maryland credit maryland uh uh, bullied him up inside. Northwestern certainly did that. Uh, but yeah, I think Purdue needs to be able to uh, be, you know, be confident in their, in what at times has been a guaranteed basket. And and, and yet what's been interesting too, and, and again, I'm not going to slam on Zach E because he has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he should be the Purdue's first big national player of the year since Glenn Robinson, right? So uh, this will be a a guy that, you know, the things where he was getting that 12 and 13, 14 rebounds and two or three offensive rebound baskets, those are coming hard, becoming harder to come by. And whether that means other guys have got to help him on the offensive boards, I don't know. Uh, again, the most troubling stat last night was really the hustle plays and the fact that Northwest, or excuse me, Maryland out-rebounded Purdue by 12. Again, a number I didn't expect to see this year.
1: Alan, you're the man. Uh, any uh, any damning stories you have to tell us about Todd Meyer, the APD over here, anything that could get him in trouble with the law? Because we'd love to hear that.
3: He's he's a West Lafayette legend, and uh, I, I don't think that's, that's on the police blotter. I think it's just his academic prowess of the Red Devil. Just tell him that. Great guy, and uh, we've always appreciated the relationship over the years as a fellow West Lafayette grad. Uh, uh, he's he's a good colleague, so no, no 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 dirt on him at all.
1: Okay, fair enough, Alan. We appreciate your time, man. Hope you have a great day. Thanks, uh, Alan.
3: All right, guys. Thanks so much.
1: Bye. Thank you. There he is, Alan Karpik Covers Purdue. Publisher for GoldenBlack.com. dot com.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Welcome in here. One o'clock hour. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. I want to welcome in James Boyd, Colts beat reporter for The Athletic, joining us here on The Fan. James Hope you're having a great afternoon. I would like to say, and I would like some kudos from you, sir. I would like that. I do have the athletic italicized in my notes right here because I feel like that's the just respect we have to give you before we talk some Colts ball over here, James.
5: Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's funny. even when I write my own uh, articles, my editors always italicize it for me. So I'm still getting used to that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great, man. Um, where are you now that we've digested Shane Steichen being hired? They're on the search for the offensive coordinator and that whole thing. Where are you now that it's been a week and you've processed this hire being made, your excitement level for the upcoming season and everything else that has to be ironed out with the staff, with the draft? Where are you just in your Colts space right now?
5: I think I'm in a good space. You know, for a while there, we were in no man's land. Like, what the heck is going on? Who are they going to hire? But I think it's a great choice. For the head coach vacancy, obviously Shane Syken comes in with a lot of quarterback guru knowledge. He's worked with a lot of different guys, different skill sets. And I think that kind of just transitions into the draft where you go into, you know, from one huge decision to another huge decision, which in my opinion is the biggest decision. And that's who you draft a quarterback. And I think given Shane Syken's background, again, having worked with a variety of quarterbacks, it gives you an advantage to kind of pick his brain on what you think is possible with each prospect and maybe where you go as far as your pick.
4: James, were you surprised with how uh, covering the beat, how kind of tight-lipped everything was in the coaching search? And then obviously we've we've heard a couple of leaks and rumors in terms of Steichen's staff, but we were talking about this to start the show. Do you think it will be the same level of secrecy as he's putting together his staff?
5: Yeah, I would think so. Um, I think overall that whole process wasn't even really about the Jeff Saturday hire, I think it had more so to do with just the way things went the last time that they hired a coach um in Joshua yeah. Daniels and then he reneged and so I, I don't think they really wanted to leak anything, have anything out anything out there until it was like apparent you're gonna put this pen to paper and then obviously they didn't even announce it until the pen was on the paper. And I think that was more so why the reason you know it looked like uh, you know, there was not much going on when it really was.
1: James, you look at the quarterbacks available at the top of the draft. Let's just start before we get into who you like and dislike and anything like that. Are you open to the idea of the Colts trading up from four to number one overall, knowing how heavy that price tag would be? Or are you close to that type of thing playing out?
5: I'm fully open to it, mainly because in this league, quarterbacks matter. So if you think you can get your guy, you go up and get him, and you worry about the rest later. Um, obviously, you know, it would be better if they were just picking number one overall like they've done the years past with Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, where you don't really have to think too hard about it. But, um, again, if you can zero in on someone that you have a lot of faith, then I don't think you should wait around, get your quarterback, and then build the rest out. Because as you can see, a quarterback makes such a difference, right? I mean, you look at – you know, and in this division itself, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, you get that coach, you get that quarterback, and your team looks totally different from one year to the next. So um, I'm not I'm not close to it at all. I think they should definitely explore it. And you know, from Jim Ursay's comments during the presser, it seems like he at least um, has one guy in mind, an Alabama guy, you know, Bryce Young. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: James Boyd taking some time with us on the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline. You can follow him on Twitter at RomeovilleKid. He is the beat writer for the Colts on The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. You have a piece up that I believe you just either published or updated today, James, regarding uh, to Brian's past question, the big board for the Colts, and the idea of maybe Bryce Young, or as you put it, as Jim Ursay said, the Alabama guy being a selection for them. First quick question before I lead into the larger point, you cite – a friend of the show and Dane Brugler. Uh, did you utilize just his top 100 or did you reach out to him and discuss any of these prospects as working on the piece?
5: No, just, re- just utilize okay. his, uh, his thing mainly because I don't think you realize this, but all of us, like every beat writer from every team had to do it. Right. And so, uh, you know, out of respect for Dane, sure. who I'm sure is great. Um, <laughs> he probably would have to answer a lot of phone yeah. calls, you know, for 32 teams to do a big board, but um, he gives great insight. He's been more plugged in obviously, than anybody else. I think, as far as the draft, at least on our side, with the Athletics. So it was great to kind of look at his analysis. And then some of the guys I mentioned who were, you know, second and third round potential picks, not quarterbacks, obviously. I saw some of them at the senior bowl myself. So I was able to get my own analysis on what I saw. And so that was pretty cool to kind of just go back and think, like, okay, I did see this guy. And this is someone who Dane thinks is pretty, you know, uh, we're thinking on the same page as far as his skill set and his traits. And so um, it'll be exciting to, again, dive into the quarterbacks but also the other areas of meet with this team. <laughs>
1: James, if the Colts, I like that you're open. You're aggressive over here. I like it. If we're at the poker table, you're going all in <laughs> from time to time. Well-timed aggression. I like it. So you're open to them moving up to number one. If they did that, which quarterback would be your preference for them to draft?
5: Man, I've gone back and forth with the Bryce Younger, TJ Stroud. I'll say this. I think given... Chris Ballard's like he always, you know, heavily views, you know, physical traits, you know, stuff you can't teach. And then, given what C.J. Stroud has, I probably lean a little bit more towards him than Bryce Young, mainly because he is six three. He has the frame that would, you know, typically hold up in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then also he has the mobility and, and things like that to, you know, kind of further grow into. That's the biggest knock on C.J. Stroud. It's kind of weird, right? He has mobility, he has capability, but he didn't always use it at Ohio State. And so his improvisation, his problem-solving, his ability to create, like, how much do you trust Shane Spiken? And if he's able to pull more of that out of him and you see more of the version that was in that Georgia game going forward, I think you have your quarterback of the future. It's just with Bryce Young. If he was 6'2", I don't think we have this conversation. I think you say you take him and and you're good with that. But I did a piece a couple weeks ago where it's like over the last 20 or 30 years, of all the teams that have traded up in the NFL draft to draft a quarterback in the first round, only two of them have been under six-two, And those two are Michael Vick and Johnny Manziel. And obviously one of them was great, and then one of them was not great. And so it's not only unprecedented for, like, Chris Ballard to move up. I know, again, he's a physical trades guy. But it'll be unprecedented for anybody to trade up and draft someone at that height. But, again, Bryce Young is special.
4: James, I know this isn't necessarily your preference, the way you ordered this in the article. Again, this is up on the athletic.com regarding what the Colts might do with their big board. And we'll get into the second round or maybe other needs here in a second. But sticking with quarterback, you highlighted Anthony Richardson, you reevaluated uh, his tape, and you mentioned there are similarities in terms of play style to that of Jalen Hurts, somebody that was, again, another quarterback that Shane Stein can helped develop and get the most out of. What did you see that maybe... Made you feel like a similar type project could take place with Anthony Richardson if they ultimately end up with him, and maybe what are areas that make you think they should stay away altogether?
5: Yeah, I think obviously the physical gifts are what are, are what's most enticing. I talked to EJ and Isaiah Franklin about this earlier this season, but it was like, man, how hard is it to you know guard a guy or defend a guy when he's a he's a runner and he's a, a great runner. This is after Daniel Jones had a big day against the Colts, and it's like, man, it's really hard to account for you know, that extra blocker when you have a guy in your quarterback who can also be a running back in certain instances. And I'm not saying Hurts to a running back at all. I think he's an elite quarterback. But, again, that mobility is, is a factor that you can't always account for, and I think that's where the league is headed. And so um, Anthony Richardson, from that standpoint, is the best athlete of the quarterbacks in this draft. He's a tank. He's got the cannon arms. He's got the elite mobility. But then the drawbacks and maybe why, in my opinion, he's still probably fourth on my list is just he's such a project. He's just not as polished as you would think um, to draft him as high as the Colts would potentially draft him. You know, he only completed 53% of his passes during his one year as a starter at Florida. Um, That's not that great. I don't think he had – matter of fact, he didn't have any game this past season where he he completed over 60% of his passes or at least 60% of his passes. And so those are the things where it's like, man – if I'm a franchise that that kind of wants to take that gamble, you have to really, really have a lot of faith in Shane Spiking to pull it out of him because he is a project. And, it, and to my, and me, it, to me, it wouldn't be necessarily seeing the progress in year one or even year two. It'd probably be like year three or year four. Like, okay, now we're starting to see what this guy can be.
1: He's James Boyd, Colts beat reporter for the Athletic, joining us here on the Fan. I just keep looking at the draft order, James. And I'm doing the math over here. I'm considering the top quarterbacks, and I'm considering the teams that need quarterbacks and where they're slotted in the draft. And I'm wondering if you're anticipating a lot of movement at the top of this draft where teams that need a QB, they're like, screw it, man. We got to go all in. Let's pull vault up to number one. Let's pull vault up to number three and get our guy, whatever it takes. Do you anticipate a lot of movement at the top of this draft with teams trying to get their quarterback?
5: It's hard to gauge, but I will say this. This is why I push back on the idea from a few fans, and that's not against any fans. I love people commenting, giving their opinions, but you'll hear some of them say, like, oh, there's no clear-cut. Number one, there's no Andrew Luck in this draft, so just stay where you are and get whoever's left. And it's like, but the order now might not be the order come draft day if you wait. So I think that that's why the Colts should be aggressive if they identify someone they really like. So I think it will be huge, obviously, with the Combine starting up here in a couple weeks here in Indy. And then obviously getting these guys in to talk to them to, even if they don't throw um, there'll be pro days coming up as well. These are going to be crucial times to identify, you know, what you like in a guy, both on the field and off the field. And if it's worth investing your franchise in. And I do think that this is a decision that obviously will be tied to Shane Steichen, but even more so to Chris Ballard, because to me, it's like, if you hit on this, you get, you get the franchise quarterback, you're good. You know, your job's safe. If you don't, you know, how long, how much longer do you keep him around? He's in his sixth season going into his seventh. And so um, this is a huge, huge decision. And one, I don't envy um, him for, I don't want to make that decision. I kind of just want to analyze it and give my two cents afterwards.
4: <laughs> James, when you looked at the other two or the other rounds of the draft as you were going through in general, your your mock process, or not even really a mock because you were just projecting players that Mm -hmm. might be available there i see an offensive lineman a wide receiver but i'll see a number of defensive uh potential selections for the colts in the second and third round when you look at this roster is that where you feel the emphasis needs to be after the quarterback is figured out on the defensive end or do you see more opportunity for another weapon or two added on the offensive side in terms of priority list for the colts
5: yeah i think the priority list should be the offense just because that was a unit that was you know, the most um, strugglesome throughout the 2022 season. However, um, I wouldn't be opposed to them, you know, bolstering their edge rushers because they're going to lose, you know, uh, they might, they're might. they probably not going to re-sign Tyquan Lewis because of the injuries and his age. You know, um, Quidi Pay and Dial have come along, but you might want to add more depth there, whether it's in the draft or free agency. Um, wide receivers, is Paris Campbell going to be back? That's not a guarantee. You probably need another weapon, you know, in there. And if you can surround a young quarterback with, with weapons, hey, his development will probably be a lot better, a lot smoother. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just addressing the offensive line. And maybe that's where, you know, a guy like John Michael Schmitz, uh, the, the center from Minnesota, do you take him, you know, in the, in the second or third round and, you know, find a way to offload Ryan Kelly who kind of backslid, you know, last season. I'm not saying that he can't, you know, be what he once was, but it does look like he regressed and you kind of wonder, can he be that again? And so um, I think the offensive line is the biggest point of emphasis to bolster with this team because again, if you draft a quarterback and, you know, you might think the world of him, but he can't be anything if he gets if he's getting killed. And that's what happened with a lot of quarterbacks this season, no matter who started for the Colts, they all are running for their lives and it just didn't work out very well. So that's the area of most need to me. And then in third and fourth and fifth rounds, do you kind of look at, you know, your defensive secondary and areas like that where you can get some more depth. So there's a lot of areas of improvement. And I do think that this It's a long-term rebuild. For so long, the Colts felt like they were just one quarterback, one player away. But this past season really showed that they just have to rebuild this thing, in my opinion, in an entirely new way and just kind of force themselves into a more modern style of uh, team building.
1: You know, James, it's funny, man. Put quarterback to the side because we're all interested to see how that shakes out. That's the number one question. But outside of that, with everything that you mentioned, O-line, wide receiver, you could go in so many different directions, which – Position Are you most interested in seeing how the Colts address it this offseason?
5: It's the offensive line, mainly because you you paid them so much money, right? So it's not as easy as saying, you know, hey, we'll just move on from this guy, move on from that guy. I think Quentin Nelson obviously got better as the season went on. It wasn't up to his standard, but he's still really good. So you keep him. He's a lock. And you like what Bernard Ryman was able to do towards the back half of the season? Do you bring a veteran left tackle Lynch? to compete against. And I just think things of that nature and those decisions, those questions are, are the biggest, um, you know, uh, of concern to me because, again, you cannot have your franchise quarterback back there getting killed in his first season because then it becomes harder to even evaluate if he's getting better or worse because he's on his back or, or you know, risking injury and things like that. So um, that's the area that I think that they should address absolutely – um, you know, first and foremost, and then look at the other things. It's basically just like for protecting your investments, right? You don't buy a new car and you don't get insurance. You know, you want to make sure that if you get this brand new car, this brand new quarterback, he's got all the, the bells and whistles that you make sure you protect that and put it in a garage for sure.
4: James Boyd taking some time with us in the drivepeople.com studios via the guest hotline. James, you had an opportunity two weeks ago. I know you've been asked about this a little bit to uh, be a part of and cover the senior bowl for the athletic. I know you mentioned in that most recent piece talking about Colts draft ideas that that helped you gauge or familiarize yourself with some of the potential prospects that participated in the Senior Bowl. What were your takeaways and who stood out that, that maybe you would like or, or see fitting schematically with a Shane Steichen-led Colts attack?
5: Man, i tell you what. Jake Reed, um, he's well, from the Michigan State, 5'11", kind of a sly guy, but he really ran every single route, and um, he just dominated in one-on-one reps. He, he was easily the, the guy that stood out to me when I watched him practice. And then talking to him afterwards, he's super confident. You know, you're asking, okay, you know, people always ask the player comp questions, which I don't usually like. It's like whatever; they're always going to say something outlandish. And he's like Tyreek Hill, you know, Kadarius Tony, you know, (laughs) the fast guys take take the the top off the defense. And you you laugh when he says that, but he does have a lot of those traits, and I think that he could be an impact player from day one, um, no matter who picks him up. And he's also pretty exciting on special teams as well. Um, Another guy who stood out to me. At the Senior Bowl, like I said, with John Michael Smith, um, you know, was his Minnesota season this, this past year fantastic? Perfect? No, but he definitely showed, at least in my eyes, some nastiness and some wherewithal. Where like, okay, this is a guy that you know could again make an impact from day one, be a potential NFL starter from day one, and um, really shore up some things. And I had a chance to talk to a couple of these guys, talk to John Michael Smith, and ask him, hey man, what do you want people to know about your game? He's like, Did I finish things. That I, that, I, that I get stuff done, that I I finish plays. And it's like, that's what you need. And, again, after you've seen the, the offensive line regression this year with the Colts, I think that's an area of improvement. But those two guys stood out to me. Another guy is uh, Caillou Blue Kelly. I hope I'm saying his first name right. From Stanford, the cornerback, he was uh, a baller at, you know, senior bowl practice, making plays on the ball, um, really shadowing receivers, making life hard for him. And so, again, it was exciting to – Dive into that stuff, and it'll be even more exciting when the combine starts up. Because again, we'll all be all over the quarterbacks. There's so many other areas of need, and so many other great players that are out there. Um, and, and the Colts have picks; they have options to, you know, get this thing, you know, going and headed in the right direction.
1: James, appreciate your time, man. You crushed it. A lot of fun today, and uh, we'll catch you down the road for sure.
5: I appreciate it. Yeah, I went and got a haircut finally because I had time to like actually go do something without news breaking. So this was good. This was good. I'm excited for what's to come. And I'll talk to y'all soon.
1: For sure, James, Thanks, James. Appreciate that, man. Good stuff. There he is, James Boyd, Colts beat reporter for The Athletic.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
1: I'm Brian Noh. He's Jimmy Mac McClung fanboy cook over here. Oh, you the want fan. the headline
4: before we go to KB?
1: So sure. Give me the headline. Let's hear it. Let's hear this it. It's from
4: Bleacher Report the other day. Uh oh. 76ers Mac McClung teases two never before seen dunks for 2023 slam dunk contest. Quote, there's at least two dunks that I know have never been done in any contest. Get ready. Basketball fans. Let's now is, go. is that
1: a true statement? 76ers Mac McClung. Yes, because
4: yes, Eddie, you can confirm this because I know you saw the report yesterday or okay. earlier this week. But yeah, he's he's in their G League affiliate now. He's been activated and mm. signed a contract. Was with the this
1: Adam Silver strong arming the 76ers into <laughs> uh, giving him a an official contract <laughs> so he could be
4: 76ers Mac McClung? I mean, Shams the one that tweeted it, so uh, <laughs> you'll take it up with him. Okay. All right. Let's uh,
1: welcome in Kevin Bowen. Morning, host here on the fan. Kevin and Query joining us here on the show. A um, lot of directions we're going to go in. Kevin, are you uh, are you giddy about Mac McClung in the dunk contest tomorrow night?
0: Boy, giddy is not the word I would use. Hyped. Um, well, no, I wouldn't go there either. I, I, I'd say, I guess I'm, I'm content that that is my viewing on a Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know what what we got to do. We got to we, we got uh, to sweeten the pot. We got to put a million dollars online. We got to do something. We can't be having. We have D-list dunkers. We need to get back to like B-level dunkers.
1: Right, I'd be thrilled with B-level right now. B-level, what's that song? And it feels like heaven is so far away. That's what I feel about the dunk contest. The B-level dunkers feel so far away right now. It's a joke at this stage.
0: Well, honestly, we need to put the three-point contest last Yeah, you know, on, on Saturday night. You know, I mean, you look at the star power in the three-point contest. I mean, you got two of the top ten players in the NBA, Jason Tatum and Damian Lillard. I mean, you got Tyrese Halliburton. You have multiple, at least three, if not, I think Markkinen is fine in the All-Star game. Yeah, like half the three point contest guys actually playing in the All Star game, if not more. So yeah, Jimmy Mac McClung, I've seen him dunk before, certainly. Watched him, you know, play Butler in his Georgetown days, and boy, I guess that might be the best thing Georgetown basketball has going
4: for it. Spite right, right is now. fueling it right now, but I've never wanted an individual athlete, uh well that's not true. This this might be a top ten moment individual athlete to have a historic performance in a contest. I'm I'm really <laughs> on the Mac McClung train now really am. You're fully back. Well, I've in gone to bat. bat for Bryce Young and Mac McClung today. <laughs> one of those is probably safer than The others, but you can choose which one.
1: Well, let's hit on that, Kev. Uh, we're talking about quarterbacks, obviously. Colts' biggest decision they have. Are you team Bryce Young, team CJ Stroud, team feel it out right now? Where are you right now? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make me pick a team, it
0: is probably Bryce Young. I I just think he's such a dynamic player. I know we fall into the trap of look at what Alabama has. I mean, to be totally honest, did Alabama have normal Alabama at the skill positions this year? I would argue no. Right. I I think Bryce Young is really, really dynamic. I understand the height. I get it. You can throw all the numbers at me, and, and those are obviously concerning to a degree, but I just think he's pretty unique. It can be the outlier of the group um what cj stroud did in the national semifinal was pretty darn impressive and i don't necessarily be like oh he's ohio state quarterback you know he's not gonna do anything in the nfl it's a really lazy argument i think you gotta evaluate all of them individually so there would be a level of contentment with cj stroud there'd be a levelment of well i level there'd be a level of somewhat giddiness if you want to go back to the giddy word with bryce young
4: Kev, we had on James Boyd earlier today and he, like you, has been looking at the next stage of this offseason, which is the draft and, and the coaching staff, but sticking with the draft for a second, he was looking at potential quarterbacks to be taken, not ranking them, but just listing scenarios where he could. And he highlighted Anthony Richardson as he went back and looked at the film. And even though the rawness of him and the fact that he's a project and his completion percentage are marks against him, a lot of similar traits to Jalen Hurts coming out of college in general and what Steichen was able to get out of him over the last two seasons, but where the Colts are in the draft, what would be your initial reaction today if today was the draft and they took Richardson at four?
0: Yeah, I, I understand a little bit of that comp. I, I think it's a massive discredit to Jalen Hurts's college sure. resume to go much further than that outside of the physical attributes. I mean, Anthony Richardson at times was – frankly, god-awful at Florida, and then just from a win-loss standpoint, you know, much different than, again, what Hurts was able to accomplish. Um, You know, it's fascinating because if these four guys played linebacker, for example, and they had just basically turned their measurables into linebacker measurables, you know, Bryce Young might be last of the four Chris Ballard would would pick. You know, he tends to operate with, give me the big-time physical traits, the testing numbers, the combine stuff and we'll figure the rest out high character is something that obviously matters to Ballard. Uh, but again, quarterback is just a unique animal to where above the shoulders magic matter, matters so much. Like you watch Bryce young operate in the pocket and it reminds me, honestly, a little bit of your guy, Jimmy, in that the eyes are always downfield. Mm-hmm. There's no panic. There's nothing that, you know, he doesn't seem nervous or rattled back there. I think that's such a hard element to, to teach. So, Number four would be too rich for me with Anthony Richardson. I did not mean to do the pun, so apologies on that. Um, I I also come back to the word that Shane Sykin has used in describing quarterbacks, and he has used the word consistency. I I, I don't think you would be getting that with Anthony Richardson. You also, if you make that draft pick, you'd be giving Chris Boward even a longer leash because with Anthony Richardson, it's probably going to take a little bit longer. How much of a bridge do you want? Is this the same song and dance you want to continue to go down as you try and groom? So I understand there's some really enticing traits about him, but uh number four would be a little bit too high for me.
1: By the way, when he says your guy, Jimmy, he's talking about Peyton Manning, right? Is it? Is it? <laughs> Love
4: Peyton, not de- <laughs> not getting drunk into that hole again. No, thank you
1: very much, uh, Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy uh, Cook with us here on the uh, on the phone with us. Uh, Kevin Bowen here on the fan. Kev, I'm gonna switch it up on you a little bit here. If we dip our big toe into hoops. Um, let me get with the uh, the Pacers here because it is All Star Weekend. I'm just curious what's on your Pacers' wish list when they get back to playing basketball after the break. What do you want to see from here on out when the regular season concludes?
0: Well, full transparency, Brian, I have a uh, notable financial stake in a win total of. Thirty or over this season, Ooh, okay. so I could really use four more victories. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would like to think they can get there. Man, um, with what twenty-two,
4: maybe to go, something like that. Uh, I'm knocking um, wood for you.
0: Yeah, taking my selfish attitude out of it. Um, you know, frankly, losses would be better than wins. I mean, I, I know it's not really what a chunk of this market wants to hear. After going through the season, the Colts just. Performed this year, but that is the reality of where they're at right now, considering they're, I believe, sixth in the uh, old tankathon standings. And uh, if you look at this draft, and I think there's some very intriguing names. I think there's some very intriguing uh, bodies at the position that the Pacers need help at. And for me, that's a big wing, that's a four man. So again, I'm a little bit looking ahead. Um, but, you know, as far as the on the court stuff, I. I have not been clamoring for Benedict Matherin to get into the starting lineup. I, I, I'm good with, and I'm, again, I, I you know have a large crush on Benedict Matherin. I, I'm good with the role he's been in, but I do think when they return from the all-star break, why not just put him in the starting lineup for the final 20 games? I mean, that is the future, him and Halliburton playing together. So I feel like that would be a good time to get a couple of practices in and just kind of turn to that. They've, they've really rotated that third starter. I mean, we've seen it be a little bit of Andrew Nemhard, hell T.J. McConnell the other night. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing Matherin get a look with the starters. I can, I want to continue to see committed minutes in the front court for Isaiah Jackson. I know he got sick at halftime the other night, so that obviously put a halt to that, but I, I don't need to see Daniel Tice, you know, playing as the backup big. Um, I don't need to see George Hill playing either. George Hill is a fine pro and has an unbelievable career. Um, dating back to his college days, or hell, even his high school days, but that, that to me is just kind of stunting growth of your younger guys. So, in general, commitment to the youth, selfishly for more wins, uh, but outside of that, I, I just think you, you need to continue to try and grow and develop the guys that are going to be here for you know the next you know five six years.
4: Kev, just so I can kind of live vicariously through you, I don't need to know how much you wagered, but what mm. type of take are we talking about here? Yeah, there you go.
0: Well, that seems personal.
4: Um, well, I didn't ask you know. how much you bet. I'm just asking for the take. I mean, I, 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 look, Kev, I'll make it fair, and if you don't want to jump on with me, then that's fine. I'm putting myself on a ledge here for you. I put $300 on the Chiefs at halftime in the Super Bowl, okay? Whoa, so there you go. Whoa. I know you didn't bet that I think, much. I'm, uh, I'm willing to guarantee you didn't believe in the Pacers that much.
0: Jimmy, I think it's Rosie's college Jimmy. tuition. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know, Eddie, for
0: 529. He's on to something. Um, Jimmy freaking Cook. How about yeah? That there you one go. There? there you
1: go.
4: Steel nuts see, over there. See, wow. See, 300 see, and a half. See, time? see now. Now you can go. and Whatever you say is less insane. There you go. Go ahead.
0: Doesn't your it, it, you know I, like. I, I don't bet on Notre Dame. I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan because my heart is in it enough that I don't need... My emotions matter more than my bank account. So that's an interesting move by you. To be clear,
4: I didn't deposit. Um, I, I had it already in that. the DraftKings account. I start with about two fifty to start the season. I happen to build up pretty well to a point that I didn't mind rolling the dice on the Chiefs for 300 bucks. Huh. So anyways, nice. just well, to be clear, I I'm not did. raking in it and I'm not making run to chase. Quick, quick. I got to get this... Light. It was It was already in the account. But anyway, just want to take some pressure yeah. off.
0: Congrats on that. Uh, at the start of the year, I got the Pacers for plus 430 to win 30 or more games. The over under was, what, 23 and a half, I think it was? Yes. Something around that for the win-loss total. And I just felt like you would not have games where, God bless them, but you wouldn't have games where Kiefer Sykes and Terry Taylor are running a two-man game in the fourth quarter. And you're trying to win a game with those two. Like you would have better talent on the floor. I thought you'd be healthier, and they've been much health. You know, much much healthier. I mean, when you when you look at it, Buddy Hield and Mather and played every game. Obviously, Halliburton missed a couple weeks, but that's really been it. You know, Turner's missed a little bit of time, but for your main guys, you've been pretty healthy. And I thought that they'd be better in year two under Carlisle in end game situations. I mean, they were horrific last year at the end of games. I thought they'd be a little bit better there. So, um, you know, I. I to Eddie's point, yeah, I mean there there there's a good hell. There might be the whole five twenty nine uh, on it for, for Rosie and or Max there. So we are waiting patiently. The win over the Bulls, the comeback over the Bulls was big because I was starting to sweat thinking, "Can I pass yeah. this out?" But we uh, we're, we're going to stick with it, and we believe by St. Patrick's Day we're going to hit.
1: I think you will. I think you're in a good position there. I don't mean, Kev, for this to sound like a knee-jerk question because Purdue has lost two straight. But I'm just thinking, the tournament isn't that far away. How surprised would you be if IU ends up having the deeper tournament run than Purdue does?
0: Um, It, it, it wouldn't Stun, stun me! I, I think IU is still one layer of unknown away, and that layer being the return of Xavier Johnson. So, you know, Purdue for the most part, you know, like personnel wise, it, it's kind of a finished product. You know, you, you, they are going to add anybody. Um, you know, by all accounts, Xavier Johnson could be back by the end of the month. You know, how does that reacquisition for him go? I mean, that is a very volatile player. And for long stretches last year was a reason why Indiana was outside of the tournament. And then all of a sudden he was the reason why Indiana got into the tournament. Um, So that to me is a big, big unknown. You know, both of these teams are are rather unique in that, you know, I don't think you can really truly simulate defending Trace Jackson Davis and especially Zach Eady in a practice setting or in a very quick turnaround setting. Um, So I do think that plays to the advantage of both of those teams and I think both of them, you could have a very similar question of what type of support do they get away from home from their perimeter guys. I mean, Purdue felt it last night. But Purdue did not turn the ball over really outside of the first five minutes. They, they hardly turned it over the rest of the game. They just couldn't rebound like they usually do, and they certainly couldn't shoot it from outside and go in 2 of 13. So you've got to, I think, force teams to just respect you a little bit more from behind the arc. Um, So I I would still probably go with Purdue to go further than Indiana, but um, it it would not totally stun me given the fact that you are going to add a piece, granted that piece can be very Jekyll and Hyde.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
4: Kev, like Brian mentioned, we are jumping around a little bit. I want to go back to the Colts for a second, and I know you obviously talked about it on the morning show, but I'm still making the rookie mistake of trying to read tea leaves in general, whatever Jim Mercer says or hints anything. So in your mind, uh, is he playing chess or was it a Freudian slip on the part of the, although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad comment uh, during the introductory presser earlier this week?
0: Boy, I can see Jim Mercer craving a little chess game. (laughs) Uh, I I do not believe that was Bobby Fisher-like. I I think that was much more Freudian slip. I, I cannot imagine Shane and Chris Bauer, Ball- I mean, Shane and emotional as he was, you imagine you're, say, huddling together. All right, you know, brothers, when we go out there, Chris, you're going to wink and you're going to trade back. And, Dane, you just you just sit, you know, sit there and look awkward, and uh, I'm going to drop the Alabama guy comment. So I, I simply think that was Jim Merce's opinion uh, being said out loud. Um, it, you know, you guys fall the NFL. You know how the next two months work. It yeah. is lying mm-hmm. season. It is smokescreen central. If the Colts successfully do their job in the next two months, they will have told us everything wrong. They will tell us, <laughs> you know, that we love, you know, we think Anthony Richardson God's God to earth or, you know, whatever. We think Bryce Young is, you know, couldn't play in the CFL. Like, I mean, they will go to the extreme to try and lie and smokescreen. And Chris Ballard in the Southern draw will walk into that press conference room on April 28th at around 11 p.m., and he will apologize and say, hey, "I'm sorry for lying." But quarterback means that much, especially when you have three unknowns, and the three unknowns being what happens at one, two, and three. You know, those are still just those are three teams that are above you right now. So you obviously you know don't want to share that 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 intel. I mean, now, you know, when you think back to Mahomes, Jimmy, I mean, New Orleans by all accounts they were going to to draft them, and then their hand kind of got tipped and. You know, maybe Mahomes' agent wanted him to go to Kansas City, so maybe that played into some of it. And boom, here comes Kansas City screaming up from 27, I think it was, overall, yeah. where, where, where they were. I mean, that's a giant franchise-altering move, and they did it, and now look where the Saints are. Still scrambling to find the next answer after Drew Brees. So, um, it, it and it's just terrible, because that's what the next two months is going to be about of, you know, who who lies the best and how well do people believe that?
1: You know, Kev, I'm just looking at the potential price tag for the Colts to move up to number one. And maybe one of the most recent examples that's the best is to go with Trey Lance with the Niners. And you look on top of the pick swap, the Niners moved up from twelve to number three. It cost them an additional two first rounders and a third rounder. So if you try to ballpark what the price tag might be for the Colts to move from four to one, what do you think it might be? And are you in favor of them going down that road?
0: Yeah, it's a terrific question. I mean, you know, you obviously have the connections with the Bears from Ryan Poles and Chris Ballard, the two general managers working together in Kansas City. Obviously, Matt Everfluss, the former coach here. A lot of those defenders are still here. So ideally, I think you'd throw a player i.e. Kenny Moore into that trade I, I think that's a bit of kind of wishful thinking I, I i just think draft picks are more enticing when teams are in a rebuild like chicago is um god tiger cannot putt at all today my
1: apologies for uh, that was my closing question how long how long do you have cash on tiger
5: you know, he no he is just I, the I, biggest I, tiger I fan got ever
1: heart. Yeah, yeah i got heart
0: and and boy my heart's been hurt today by the putter mm. um I, I think an ideal package would be number four, number thirty-five. So your own first, your own second, and then probably your first next year. And I get that that's rich, and it looks eye popping on paper and all of that. But you know, I, I don't know if the analogy makes sense. But I, I go back to the Andrew Luck story. I think I said to Eddie a couple of days ago. I go back to the Andrew Luck story that we saw on ESPN.com earlier this year, where he would literally sit down with his friends at dinner and he would order dinner for them. Um, I I trust some people to order meals for me, but I don't want that to be the case. I want to pick the meal myself. I don't care if it costs a little bit more. I want to be the decision maker. I want the one that is deciding the biggest decision I think this franchise has had, I would argue, before Peyton. Because as much as Peyton and Ryan Leaf has turned it into this coin flip, I, I don't think it was exactly that back in 98 and even then you still were one overall whereas now you're four and you do have three outliers in front of you that could all impact things so I want to be in control of the process I I cannot see all four of these quarterbacks just being you know very evenly evaluated Um, and I want to make sure that I give my first year head coach the guy that he covets assuming there is one that's above the rest or even two above the rest because I think that's something you got to keep in mind You know, if there are two or three, I mean, unless all four are on the same tier, to me, you have to move up because I could easily see quarterback going one, two, and three if teams behind Indianapolis, i.e., Seattle, i.e., Carolina, maybe the Raiders, if all of a sudden they feel like the Colts are going to take a quarterback at four and they need to move up.
4: Kev, last question on my and Kevin Bowen, nice enough to join us of the Kevin and Query in general here in the morning, as well as you can follow him on KBowen1070 on Twitter. and does a great job on 1075thefan.com. Uh, I already gave it away a little bit, and you've you know, grunted in frustration as well during the interview, but your overall thoughts, obviously the, the more important event is two months from now, but your overall thoughts on how Tiger's looking to this point in time.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you had told me yesterday at it- you know, this time, Jimmy, that he'd be two under with you know, three holes to go, or four holes to go in his first round, I would have signed up for it immediately. So um, that to me is huge. I was really worried about today. I mean, it was freezing cold to start. And the fact that, you know, he managed it pretty well early on and is even par for the day, I like. I love that he finished with three straight birdies yesterday. I mean, you watch the man; you're just kind of waiting for him to trip and fall, frankly, yeah. as he's walking around these golf courses. So the fact that he was able to not only hang in there for the entire opening round, but play his best golf at the end of the round, I like that as well. So uh, putter issue for sure, um, but that seems to be something you could get a hold on. I mean, if you look at the, you know, nerd ball speed and you know some of the analytics sort of stuff of of how he's hitting the golf ball, it's right up there with pretty much anybody else in the tournament. So I'm uh, I'm giving Tiger a solid B-plus, if not higher, through you know, 32, 33 holes.
1: There you go. Real fast before you go, Kev, like uh, Jimmy went all in on the Chiefs at halftime in the Super Bowl. Would it be a good or bad idea to go all in on Mac McClung during the slam dunk contest? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, give me the odds on the slam dunk contest. What, I wish I we had Buddy them. know Buddy a favorite. Would be nice to uh, have do them. Do we have them?
4: Re- no. Uh, are they not readily available? Can't track them. FanDuel doesn't uh, nope. have them. DraftKings doesn't have I them. I think the
1: sports books are worried about all the <laughs> McClung money that might be pouring in if they posted the odds right now. <laughs> oh.
0: Now, I, I do wonder this. Are we still doing, like, is there going to be a bunch of former Utah Jazz, like, voting for or doing the, yeah, doing the voting? You know, usually you have kind of the, like the ex local. Yeah. And, and I bring that up because if I'm not mistaken, Kenyon Martin's son is in the dunk contest. Yeah, mm-hmm. You would think that that would generate some Kenyon Martin love with that. Um, yeah, I'll be totally honest. I don't know if I've ever seen Jericho Sims dunk, and, or I know Trey Murphy is a good player. I prefer Troy Murphy. Um, from notre dame but uh i I know trey murphy's a pretty good player so uh well hell jimmy you got enough to spend you might as well no there was a quick there was a quick
4: withdrawal made there was a quick withdrawal made after that went final and additionally and i'll take a line detector test on monday but uh 25 bucks at most is on the mac mcclung fund we're not uh we're not we're not we're not opening up the war chest for uh, I'll, i'll go to an extent to bat for him not enough to be absolutely insane
0: Okay. How about this? Better chance McClung wins the dunk contest, or one of the Pacers wins the three-point Ooh, contest. Oh, I like that. Give
4: me the Pacers. You going Pacers? Yeah.
1: Are you betting on the Pacers? Uh, I mean, I took Buddy Healed. Okay, you're betting on the Pacers. Well, you you as asked well. me who I was, okay. to, I was
4: taking on the three-point. I was contest just making sure if yeah.
1: you're just yeah. blindly chasing no, your no. heart you're betting with your heart with mcclung over no. here and you're not betting on the the better odds in your estimation i was just making sure just no, making sure no. Kev. Nope. okay we're all squared kevin
4: away. are you live betting any action on or maybe not live betting but are you placing anything for all-star weekend with what you watch
0: uh probably not i mean if anything it'd be the three-point contest yep. you know i i still i mean hell they haven't even picked the teams right for the all-star game on sunday i right. think they're doing that On Sunday. I I am, you know, interested to watch tonight, like the Rising Stars game. I do feel like that can be a game where guys try kind of hard because they don't know any better. And I do think Benedict Matherin's a guy that certainly doesn't know any better. So I am kind of just, you know, somewhat eager to watch that. But, uh, and it's crazy to think about it being here this time next year. hopefully. The Mother Nature uh, gets us a little Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday weather this week and not what we're having today. Mm -hmm.
1: Hey, Kev, thank you very much for the time. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll catch you down the road. You bet. You guys have a great weekend. There he is, Kevin Bowen, morning host on The Fan. Kevin and Query, good stuff. Always the best.